Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, find your place in Luke chapter number 12. Luke chapter number 12. And while you're finding your place there, I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you here with us today. If you're a guest, may the Lord bless you. <clears throat> we, want to, uh, we want to help you in any way to get better acquainted with our church. Please let us know what we can do. If you'll, if you'll take the time to fill out that card, we can get a hold of you and, and talk to you. <clears throat> well, what about our graduates? I think we should say amen and praise the Lord one more time. Thank you, graduate. We know the hard work you've gone through and your accomplishments. And may the Lord bless you as you move forward in the days ahead <clears throat> with your life. And we're honored that First Baptist Church uh, has had a part in your life. <clears throat> May is Foster Awareness Month. And so in the month of May, we'll be having a lot of different things going on in the life of our church around foster care. We've spent a lot of time as a church uh, with our leadership learning about foster care. <clears throat> I'm excited for those who will be with us. We'll have, we'll have um, the special opportunity to hear from uh, our Tennessee Baptist Children's Home. And uh, Dr. McCoy will be with us. We're looking forward to that. Also, we're going to have the Northwest uh, Executive, uh, Assistant Executive uh, Director of the Northwest Region of uh, DCA will be with us. Uh, Ms. Lorhorn, and we're looking forward to that. It'll be a good month. We'll be calling on you as a church to determine what you can do. All of us in our church can have a part <clears throat> in foster care and the ministry of foster care in the name of Jesus. Luke 12 is where we'll be. One other very important announcement in the life of a church. It's not so often that you will witness or see the calling of a new pastor to be a part of the church. Well, we have that opportunity coming next Sunday. Uh, we will be having in view of a call, as we call it in Baptist life. Uh, Jeff Clark and his wife, Chris, will be coming in view of a call to serve as our new associate pastor of worship. There'll be some opportunities, and let me encourage all of you who are part of the church, those of you listening to us who aren't here with us today, uh, who hear my words, uh, we'll, have, we'll have a lot of different opportunities for you to meet them next week on Friday from 1 till 3 o'clock, and on Friday evening from 6 to 9. Just come and go, but please come and meet the Clarks. You'll, you'll find it a, a blessing, and we want them to know as many of our people as we can. You can talk with them, you can visit with them. They'll be with the choir also on Saturday, and also there'll be another opportunity from 8 to 12 uh, on Saturday to be with them. So the Lord will be, uh, will, will, uh, we have a lot going on. It's an exciting time. The Lord does these things in His own time and in His own way. I believe that uh, along with the personnel committee that God has brought us this man for us to uh, consider and pray about and then to uh, decide together if we want him to be with us. Pray for him that he's still at his church, still doing ministry. It's a little hard when you're serving in your church to get away and come all the time. And so he has a lot of uh, things that he must do there based on what our decision will be. So pray for the Clarks. And I know that you'll find it a pleasure to meet them. Everyday Stories of Jesus. We uh, considered a few weeks ago, how do you hear spiritually. Now my question is today, 
Are you ready to hear spiritually? I know you have things to do when you get out of here. I know you're busy. I know you've got things that you've got to be about. But are you a good ground hearer? Are you, is your mind prepared to hear the word of God? Well, that's the first job we have here. Second thing we learned last week, what is it to be? What is it to be a merciful, loving neighbor? What kind of a neighbor are you to other people? We looked at that famous story, everyday story of the Good Samaritan, as it's called. I would simply call it the story of the good, merciful neighbor. Is that true of your life? Is that true of our church's life? Are we those who hear the word of God, take it and apply it in our life so that it's fruitful? In other words, your life, your behavior is impacted by the word of God. And also, are you one of those who loves your neighbor? Well, today we come to a third story. We're, we're just moving through Luke in the order in which these uh, stories are given. <clears throat> so I've not picked them out in some particular order. We're just allowing the word of God as we move through it to show us these stories. So we read together today, Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you. Then he said to them, that is to the crowd. So hear the word of the Lord now. Hear the words of the Lord. Beware. This is to us personally. Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Now hear the everyday story of Jesus. And he told them a parable, an everyday story. The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods stored up, laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity together. You've given us health and life to come here today. We pray for those who cannot be with us, who are, who are unable because of grief or sorrow or sickness or some other priority in their life that cannot allow them to be here. Bless them. We do pray for our graduates. We thank you for their commitment to Jesus and we thank you for their, their active role in the life of this church. May they be a witness and example for Jesus wherever they go in the days ahead. We pray for the orphan children of Tennessee who are caught in foster care. They've not done anything to deserve it. There they are. 
You are the father of the fatherless. You are the God of the helpless. We thank you for making provision for them. We don't see it. We don't know how you do it, but you do it. But we will do our part. Show us what we're to do. We pray for the Clarks as they come to be among us in the days ahead. Give us and give them hearts to know if we're to be together in the days ahead. We thank you for the calling of those who serve as pastors and leaders in the church to equip the saints for the work of service. And as we come to this time next week, Lord, may we, may we come to it with humility, recognizing this is how you work. Open our eyes now to your word. Let us see the glorious truths out of your word. May our hearts be ready. May we put aside sinfulness and distraction. Lord, help us to know today what we really desire. Help us to really think about. Help the Holy Spirit to teach us, to probe us so that we would consider our deep desires. And show us what we need to repent of and show us what we need to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The focal truth that I put on these, this uh, everyday story is this. might seem a little strange, but unsatisfied desires are the life of a fool. This is, this is what the Lord Jesus is seeking to teach us today. Unsatisfied desires. What is unsatisfied desire? Well, in verse number 15, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. Do you know what greed is? Greed is unsatisfiable desire. Are you listening? Greed is unsatisfiable desire. It drives you. It keeps you up at night. You wake up with it in the morning. You live with it all day long. It drives your priorities. It sets your schedule. It determines your relationships with other people. Unsatisfiable desire. Unsatisfiable desire. This is why the Lord gave us this story. Because every day when I desire things, then I seek them. When I seek them, then I accumulate what I'm seeking. And when I seek it, I keep it with me and I look at it and hold it very close. And that's my form of satisfaction. But I find that the more, you see, I do it focused on only earthly things, there is no satisfaction. There is no lasting satisfaction that comes. And so the Lord told this story out of the blue. Uh, this is one of those strange questions. Last week we heard from a lawyer. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And who is my neighbor, the lawyer asks. Now we have, this, we have this request on behalf of this unnamed man in the middle of the crowd. The Lord Jesus is teaching glorious spiritual truths. And what does this fellow say? Lord, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Well, I believe that because of what this man was asking the Lord, I believe that God, I think that the Lord Jesus knew because he is the God man, what was really in this man's heart, he was demonstrating greed. There's nothing sadder that I've witnessed in all of my ministry life than when someone dies in a family many times, many times, sadly, I must report that families then are divided over possessions Money and all the things that their loved one left behind. What a sad thing that is. 
I have some observations for us today. We'll focus on a few of them today in our limited time, but we'll look at them enough to where we can get an understanding of this everyday story. Unsatisfied desires are the life of a fool. If you're being, if you're living with unsatisfiable desires, if you're living a life of greed, listen to me, you're living like a fool. This is what the story teaches us. You see, worldly fools are controlled by unsatisfiable desires for earthly things, for earthly things. So this brother asked this question about an inheritance, all about here, all about things that are here. But secondly, then we notice that Jesus warns about all kinds of unsatisfiable desires that are never satisfiable. Notice verse 15, beware. This is a word to all of us. This is a warning. If you're going to listen, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to take seriously what the Lord says. Beware, beware disciple today. Beware and be on your guard. It'll sneak up on you. It'll come around you when you're not expecting it. Greed will show up in your heart. Greed will show up in your mind. Greed will start to control your affections. Beware and be on your guard. Notice against every form of greed. It might be to get rich. It might be a desire, an insatiable, unquenchable desire to have some relationship that you ought not to have with someone. It might be... It might be your desire to be famous. It might be your desire to have that job. Whatever it may be. Whatever it may be, your focus is upon yourself and your focus is upon earthly things. So the Lord says in this statement, verse 15, notice, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions? This is hard for American Christians to hear. We don't like it when the Lord talks about wealth, possessions, money, riches. We don't like that. We would prefer that the Lord talk about something else. There was an old experiment done on a certain species, breed of monkeys, and they were... These little monkeys, they, they discovered they would put their hand through the hole and the, and the trainers would put things inside for them to have. So they would put them in, they would, take their, they would put it in, it would be small enough they could take it out and then they'd put it in. Finally, they started putting in some food, some fruit. The problem with the fruit, it was too big to come through the hole. What did the monkey do? The monkey didn't take his hand out of the hole anymore. He just held on to the fruit inside the box. What do you have your hands firmly around right now in your life? And you're convinced that that's going to bring you satisfaction. You're assured that now you've got it. You've got it, don't you? You've got it. You've got it in your hands. You have it. You've achieved it. You desired it. You sought it. You accomplished it. And now you have it. And you're not about to let go of it. Not even if it means that your spiritual life isn't what it ought to be. You see, this is the danger of greed. Eve desired a, fit, a forbidden fruit. The Lord said you can have all this fruit, but you cannot have this one. 
And she saw that it was good and she took it. She desired it and she wanted it and she had it. Lot's wife loved Sodom. And the command of God was leave Sodom and don't look back. She looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Achan was told along with the rest of Israel, when we conquer the cities, don't take the riches, don't take the gold, don't take the stuff. Lo and behold, Achan goes in. What does he do? He, he sees the gold. He loves it. He desires it. So he takes it, goes back to his tent, digs a hole and hides it. But God saw his greed and it was discovered. David desired another man's wife. He thought himself uh, he could do whatever he wanted. He was the king. He could have any woman he wanted. And so David's desire, his greed, his lusty greed uh, led to devastation. The last of the laws of the ten words, the ten commandments is, listen to me, this is the law of God. This is for all of us. You shall not covet. You shall not demonstrate greediness. We're reminded in the New Testament that covetousness, greediness, listen, is idolatry. You're an idolater today if you're following after your earthly greed and desires. This is what the Lord's saying. He's warning us of a very important danger. When you're greedy and you get things on the earth and you're satisfied with them, here's the point. You don't care about spiritual things. You cannot seek the things on the earth and you cannot at the same time seek the things of God. This is why the Lord gives this story. Again, let's hear the story. Verse 16. The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began, he began reasoning to himself. See, this is it. He's talking to himself. He's saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? <coughs> Excuse me. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up. The word is to store up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, you fool. This very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Please notice this word. It appears over and over. Verse 17. I have no place to store my crops. Verse 18. This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And verse 19, I will say to my soul. You see, he's talking to himself. This is him talking to himself. This is him advising himself. There's no speaking to God. This is soul. This is his talk with himself. He says to himself. Soul, you have many goods stored up for many years. You're good. You're good, soul. Why, just eat, drink, and be merry. Just have a great time. Life is good. You've got all you need. You've got what you have. And we realize from this everyday story of Jesus, do you have an ear now to hear? Are you listening? Are you listening? Did you hear more than just the story? Do you see here? He did not even... He did not see God's blessing nor thank God for any of his blessing 
upon his land and his crops. He did not share any of his additional crops with anyone else. It was all for himself. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to have more for myself. I'm I've been given this much. I've been given even more. So I'm going to take every bit of what's given to me. And I'm going to keep it for myself. I'm going to build big barns. His additional crops were his source of life assurance. The problem with this, the, the problem with living with greed is that one day, are you listening now? Everything you have will belong to someone else because you will die. I've repeated myself to you over and over. Down in uh, Florida, I believe it is. Only this, only Florida would do such a thing. There's this 10 mile garage sale or yard sale. Everything you treasure, when you die, most of your kids will pile in boxes and take to Goodwill. And if you've ever been to Goodwill, just look at the amount of stuff that's put in there. All you've got in those storage units that you treasure. You never, by the way, go to the storage unit and look at what you have in there, but you treasure it. In fact, you've got so much, you've got an extra storage unit. You've got to build more places at your house for what you have. This is an American problem. We, pos we, we possess it, but we want more. We acquire more. We've been told we need it. We listen to it. We listen to it. And we acquire for ourselves more and more and more. The problem is, God said, you're a fool. You're not going to be on the earth with all of this stuff forever. Your soul has been required of you. Here's the answer to greed. Look, here's the answer by a question. Who will own all these things? The next time you're about to make a big purchase, the next time you're about to acquire something, oh, the next time you convince yourself that you've got great desires for fame and fortune and all the rest, ask yourself, whose will these things be? You see, you won't always sit in the chair of fame. You won't always sit in the chair of being the boss. You won't always sit in the chair that you're in right now. You won't always have the authority you have right now. You won't always have the riches you have right now. One day they'll all be gone. They'll be divided up by other people. You'll no longer be here. Are you ready to meet Jesus Christ? Are you ready to live with him in relationship to him? This is the story as the Lord says in verse 21. So is the man or woman who lives like this farmer who, who stores up treasure for himself. This is the way the world works. This is the philosophy of the world. Get as much as you can, as fast as you can, for as long as you can. This is what we teach our children. More, more, more. I need more. Why do you need more? Well, I just need it. Why do you need it? I don't know. I just need it. The unsatisfiable drive of greed and covetousness. I don't like what I have. I want what they have or who they have. Greed and covetousness. You see, the Lord reminds us that we are storing things up. Our accumulation is either, listen, our accumulating is either earthly, physical, or spiritual. So how are you doing in accumulating 
things in your relationship with God. Well, it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I ask you today, in verse 21, the Lord said, you're to be rich toward God. You're to be rich toward God, storing up things toward God. You're to do things in such a way that what you live for is not, listen, earthly. It's heavenly. It's spiritual. Now, we won't go through this in detail, but I'm, going to, I'm just going to have you follow me with your eye from verses 22 down through verse 34. Because here the Lord amplifies what he's teaching and what he said in verse 21 about what it means to be rich toward God. And let me use a phrase here. Now the Lord shows us the foolishness of greediness, listen, versus the wisdom of worrylessness. Now I'm talking to people of all ages in this room and also those who hear my voice today. It's interesting that when you look at little children in our world today, they worry. They worry a lot. Students worry a lot. Young adults have their worries. Middle-aged people have their worries. Old people have their worries. It is common to our life to worry. What does the Lord say about being rich toward God? That is having a relationship with Him. Look at this. I'll just show you quickly. Verse 22. For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life. This is not a suggestion for you. This is, this is what you do when you follow Jesus and you have a rich relationship to God. Why? 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 How is it that I cannot worry about my life? Well, you see, when I understand that God cares about me and that I matter to God and that all I need, He knows what I need and I can trust Him, I don't worry. This is the point of what He now says. Please just follow along. I won't elaborate too much, but listen to the words of the Lord. Don't worry about your life. He says in verse number 23, life is more than food and your body more than clothing and all of these things that you focus on in your earthly life is more than that. The Lord's saying that's not life. That's not life on an endless pursuit of, of unsatisfiable Lust and greed and desire. That's not life. Notice, consider the birds, verse 24. You want to know how to not worry? <clears throat> the Lord says, just watch the birds. Watch the birds. We had one too close to the entrance over here in <clears throat> the church this morning. <clears throat> Preaching on this, I was thinking about it. There were the buzzards. And there was that dead animal. They would hardly get out of the way of the cars. But there they were, provided for. What did they do to earn it? What did they do? Did they have a meeting to say, well, we've got to improve trying to find dead animals to eat? No. Consider the birds. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't have a storehouse. They don't have a barn. And yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? Why are you worrying? Why are you worrying, my dear friend? Are you not more valuable than birds? The Lord goes on. And which of you can add any a single hour to your life? Are you going to get, gain life expectancy by worrying? Obviously, you're not. If you cannot do these very little things in trusting God, why are you worrying about these things? He says, 
He goes on, consider the flowers. They don't grow, they, they grow, but they don't, they don't toil, they don't spin. I tell you, Solomon in all of his glory is not clothed like them. Please look at verse 28. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. You see, this is a faith matter for you. Oh, what will happen to my children? You trust God. Oh, what will happen to my grandchildren, my great grandchildren? You trust God. Oh, what will I do about... You trust God. You live a worryless life. You are rich toward God. You trust God enough to know that He will provide for you. We talked about this in detail when we were looking at the disciples' prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Here are all the things we need, Lord. You know what we need even before we ask. You see, a rich relationship with God moves us away from a desire for earthly things. It will change you. <clears throat> it's like the story was written by the uh, fellow about the, there was an athlete. If I called his name, everyone here would know him. And he was a very accomplished athlete, but he began to serve the Lord Jesus. And it seemed like his relationship with the Lord Jesus was much more powerful than what he was doing in athletics. And the and the journalist wrote, another good athlete ruined by Jesus. You know, that, people really say that. Did you know that? You're shocked. You see, you must decide. What will ruin you? Will you let the world ruin you? Or will you let the Lord Jesus change you so that your attitudes and your desires aren't focused on things here that you can't keep anyway. If you're given them, what do you do with them? Well, here's the point. If you're rich with God, you know what you do? Verse 31, you seek God's kingdom. That is, you seek the reign of Christ. You seek his lordship every day. Lord, I want you to be Lord as I go to school. Students, all of you ought to be saying it. Oh, you have abilities, you have gifts. We've seen it to accomplished how proud we are of the accomplishments and the smarts and the gifts and the talents of these students. But you've been given those gifts by God. Don't ever forget it, students. Walk with God as you go to school. Whatever you choose to do in your life, put Him first. All of it has been given to you as a stewardship. Use it for the glory of God. And all of your life, don't seek fame, don't seek riches, don't seek the best job. Seek God. He'll help you focus those things. He'll help you prioritize those things. Seek God in your family life. Seek God in your business life. Seek God in your relationships. The Lord said, don't be afraid, verse 32. I've given you the kingdom. If God has given us his kingdom, which begins here with his lordship in our life when he's taking care of us and continues on into eternity, why are you worrying about anything? You see, worry becomes an idol. Lots of people like to worry because they think people will feel sorry for them. Did you ever think about your worry is a statement of your unbelief in God. So the Lord says, are you going to talk to yourself? 
Are you going to accumulate and seek what you think is best? Or are you going to be rich toward God and seek his kingdom? And then what does he say? He says something astounding that you're hoping that because of the time I'm going to miss, but I'm not going to miss it because here's what he says. Verse 33, sell your possessions and give to charity. What if God said to you, I want you to sell everything you have and I want you to go to the mission field. Would you do it? I want you, to, I want you to quit that job that you've been wishing for and thanking God for, desiring all your life. And I want you to go be a school teacher. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a school teacher these days. They don't. Schools are begging for somebody to come and teach. Begging retired teachers to come back. Why? Are you willing to sell what you have? Oh, what do you have? Are you willing to give everything you have with, look, your hands have to be open, not closed. Like the monkey who wouldn't let go of the food. He had it, but it was, the problem was it was inside the box. He can't, the only way to get his hand out of the box is to let it go. But you've got your hands around it. And you're not about to let go of it because you've got some real satisfaction. You're somebody. You've accomplished something. You've done this, whether anybody else is proud of it, you pat yourself on the back every day for what you've done. But the Lord says, like he said to the rich young ruler who was really genuinely trying to follow him, he said, one thing you lack, rich young man, Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me. What are you willing to give away in order to have eternal riches in heaven? What are you willing to give away so that you recognize your richest relationship in life is your relationship to God? To God. He says in verse 33, make a money belt that's eternal. It never wears out. It's filled with money. It never, it never wears out. Your money belt in heaven never wears out. Why? Because you give. This is hard for the American church. Give. Yes, you need to give more. You need to give of yourself. You need to give of your time. You need to give of your resources. Perhaps half of what you have could be gone and you wouldn't miss it anyway. How do I know? Go look in your closet. Oh, I didn't even know I had that. Of course you didn't. You couldn't find it with all those hangers crammed in there. I didn't know I had those shoes. Well, you haven't worn them but one time. But you needed them. It was important. Or it's a car. Or it's a house. Or it's some friendship. Or You see, my friends, we are trapped by our possessions. They hold us down. What does the Lord say to do as a worryless Christian? Here's the most spiritually responsible thing to do that the world says is the most irresponsible thing to do. Sell it all and follow Jesus. The Lord says in verse 34, look, where your treasure is, 
is where your heart is. Where your treasure is. It's what you've stored up. It's what you've stored up. You look at it every day. You're proud of it. You check, you check that account every day. You, you drive around and look at that field every day. You, you look at that house every day. What, pick whatever you want. Whatever you've put your focus on in this world, the, God said to the farmer, you fool. You see, unsatisfied desires are the life of a fool. But the worryless one is one who puts their faith in Jesus Christ and is rich toward God. So what do we remember today as we finish? Well, are you watching what you desire? You're going to leave this place and your desires are driving, are driving your life. You know that, don't you? You're not paying attention enough if you're not hearing what I'm saying. You're not being aware. You've got to pay attention. Pay attention. What are your desires? What's driving you today? What do you have to get out and do today? What is it that's most important? You have any, you have any, any spiritual desires that match your earthly desires? When you compare your passion and drive for spiritual heavenly things to your drive and passion for earthly things, some of you put in some really hard work to accomplish what you have in your job. Have you put in that much time on your spiritual life? Have you matched it? Have you overachieved as a spiritual person walking with God? You see, you must be careful that earthly possessions don't dull your God neediness. Because every person in this room, at the heart, we are God needy. Nothing can fill the place that God alone can fill. We're God needy people. God needy human beings. No matter how much we have, no matter how smart and intellectual we are, no matter what we think we can do, we are God needy. And don't trust your possessions. You only have them for a little while. Then they'll belong to some, someone will one day live in your house and it won't be you. Someday your car will be driven by somebody else. Someday most of your clothes will be in the help center given to somebody else. Oh, if you think what you have gives you assurance and security, someone is fooling you and it's called greed and covetousness. I end by simply saying this, you must live in a trusting relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in a worrylessness because you can look at birds, you can look at flowers, and you can seek God's kingdom and know that you are now, you now have the kingdom of God. You now have the kingdom of God and as a result, why does it matter? Sell it and give it away. You know your desires by what you desire. You know your desires by what you desire. So the Lord says to us today, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near the door. Oh, what will be what will be the news of the week? What will happen? What will we see of the birth pangs of the end times as they get greater and greater? 
Will you look up and see the Lord is near the door? He is about to come. He is about to return. Will you live your life in ignorance of that? Or will you pay attention to the signs of the times as we see the Lord preparing things for His return and all things under His sovereign control move to that great and glorious day of His coming? That's why the church prays, Come Lord Jesus.